Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. As usual, let's just take a minute and there's a few, few seconds and just Anything else that's going on, just put it by the wayside. Let's just relax and remind ourselves that everything that's going on in our lives is part of his plan and that we've agreed to it. Every circumstance, every decision, every emotion, It's part of the process, and we we want to learn to rest in the process and, if at all possible, enjoy the process, even when things are painful, even when we make mistakes or we find ourselves in difficult circumstances. We can recognize that this is part of a, a larger process where God is working out what the salvation that he has already put within us. That you and I have have that new spirit within us. And it is working its way out. We go back to Adam and Eve, how they didn't know each other after their bodies. They didn't know their, you know, man, woman, they didn't know eye color, they didn't know hair color, they didn't know each other was naked or themselves. And likewise, their their soul was completely a part of their spirit. So they were complete and whole and entire as they were communing with God. So their spirit, Adam's spirit, Eve's spirit, is what they saw when they looked at one another. Adam saw Eve by the spirit, not by the body, not by the soul. Now you and I, when we become born again, we are re-spirited, our our spirit is returned to us. Now I don't know whether, I don't know the dynamics of that. I don't know whether, you know, the spirit within us was dormant or God just kept it in a little his pocket and he gave it to us at that time I just that's a good question but we do know that it's now within us and available and dependent on our level of restoration of our soul and our body determines how much of that spirit literally shines through. We can look at the illustration of Moses that, you know, when we look at, you know, remember, you know, the vast majority of people in the Bible were not spiritual beings, were not born again. When Moses went to up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, and he came back down, and he was 
uh, glowing, and he covered his face so that people wouldn't see it diminish. And why did it diminish? It's because he had been in the presence of God. And in that presence, that part of him, not his soul, not his body, body, but we could almost say that that dwelling place of his own spirit was charged, was responding to the presence of God. So he temporarily had that spirit within him that shone through his soul and his body. But when he was no longer in the direct presence of a a present, a physical manifestation of God, there was nothing there within him to keep that charge, to keep that light glowing, if you will. So within him, the spirit gradually just faded and returned to nothingness, whatever However, our, our, this, you know, we could say stagnant or dormant within us. Now, you and I, we have the spirit within us because we've been born again. So it's not going to fade because we're separate from God. We're not separate from him anymore. Adam, uh, I mean, Moses was separate from God. And, you know, going back to Adam and Eve, when they were separated from God, when they, you know, we, we use the term died, when they died, they didn't die in their soul, they didn't die in their body, they died in their spirit. And so they all of a sudden saw each other's body and got to know each other as solical beings. So that light that they had been walking around as, you know, shining beings with, you know, just balls of light, basically. And then when their spirit died, all of a sudden they had the form of two arms, two legs, a head, a torso. And they saw each other for the first time. They're each other's body. You know, we see the picture of, of Adam and Eve in the garden before they eat the apple, and, and Adam's naked and Eve's naked. I don't think that's the way it was at all. They were balls of light. They were blinding, just as God himself was blinding. And you and I have that blinding light within us. That spirit is within us. But it's hampered and hindered by our soul and our body, but mostly our soul. And this is okay. This was all part of God's purpose and God's plan. We've talked, you know, we're not going to go back over again everything, but the whole idea is God's got, he values the process we're going through. A lot of times we think, you know, we, we face we we struggle with the process 
thinking that we should be doing better. We feel guilty. We feel disappointed. We feel ashamed when, because we fail, you know, we, and we, we fail all the time. And yet this is exactly what God wants. And we have a hard time thinking, okay, God is holy. God is perfect. He expects us to be holy and perfect. It's like, again, it's, we are. You are holy and perfect in your spirit. But there's things we can only learn through the process of overcoming and restoration and becoming the process is what's important. So however many times you make a mistake, fine. Value those times. That doesn't mean we, we, you know, run into the street in the middle of the, you know, traffic. You know, tempting God, we don't do that. No, we're part of the process is learning to hear and, and he, learning how he guides us, how our spirit guides us. And I don't mean spirit guides, but how your spirit that's connected, that's one with God, guides your soul, directs your soul. So we, our soul has all these, we've talked about entanglements. And I think I'm using that word almost interchangeably with our soul, our enemies of our spirit. Because they're really based on how they affect our soul. Our soul is the real, it's both our treasure and our problem. Our soul has developed such strong bad habits and those bad habits have been developing ever since Adam and Eve. And again, they're not a surprise to God. He doesn't go, whoops, this, you know, I'm going to uh, start over. You know, he did that once with, with Noah. And yet he, you know, maintained a semblance through the process. He didn't wipe out everybody. He says, no, there's something, you know, I, I still redeemable about the process you know we could talk about you know the the value of the people that didn't know any better uh you know this is an express you know uh, a reflection on god's love this is where we get into our whole idea of you know did they go to hell did god you know kill them because they weren't obeying or was this part of his process that where he wanted to start over again you know some point in time maybe we'll get into all that but what we look at is the process is what's important and the more we can appreciate and value it the more we're going to experience um, the the process objectively without without wounding ourselves contributing to the problem cuz think about you know Jesus he was walking around and he was ministering and he was raising the dead all all these physical aspects of uh the power and authority he had 
spirit, soul, and body. And he exercised his power and authority, not because he was the Son of God, but because he was one spirit, soul, and body. And because his soul had no bad habits. And again, his body just followed along. Now, there are things that we can look at about things that are going on in the body, but there are effects. They are uh, symptoms or consequences of the bad habits that we have in our soul. When you believe, you know, um, that God hates you, that you're going to hell, that he's going to destroy you, that there's nothing you can do, that you've backslidden and, and there's nothing redeemable about you, that's going to have a, an effect on your body. It's going to shorten your life. It's going to bring dis-ease into your body. Likewise, when truth comes and you find out, no, this is all part of the process, that he loves you unconditionally, and when he quickens your spirit, then the process of redemption begins in your soul and also starts to renew your body. But it starts in the soul. The soul is the interface to your spirit. So as soon as Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, they started to develop bad habits. And they had no choice. They no longer had God. They no longer had access to the kingdom, to eternal life, to having all their needs met. All of a sudden they had to meet their God-given needs without God. It must have been such a shock. You know, a fish out of water, a bird without wings. However, you just total never been this way before. And likewise, as much as you think about, they've, you know, they had never, they had probably never even used their eyes. They had probably never even spoken words to one another, Adam and Eve, maybe even Adam and Eve to God. They didn't need their body because they were communicating in the spirit. And so they shared truth with one another. There was never any, you know, they didn't look, they never looked at one another and goes, I wonder what she meant by that. I wonder what he meant by that. No, because there was, it was truth. It was clear. There was no shadow, a double meaning, no suspicion between them and between God, between them and God. So their relationship is something that you and I would not be able to comprehend because they were one. Even though they were two, they were one. And and just as when God was communing with them, they were one. Adam is Adam was one with God. Eve was one with God. Adam and Eve were one with one another. They were all one because they were all spirit. Now, Adam and Eve happened to have a soul. Each had a soul and each had a body. When they no longer had that, when Adam lost that spirit, when he died in his spirit, he had to use 
solical senses and and physical senses, his bodily senses, that he had never had to use before. Now, sometimes I wonder if, you know, they even had, if they were even walking on the ground, because gravity would not have had an effect on them. Because they have, they would have had power over all natural elements as spirit beings. Likewise, they would have had power over all time. Like whether they were in the garden for five days or five billion years, they wouldn't have been able to know that because their existence was spiritual. The point being, not to get too caught up in thinking about that, but the point being that once their spirit was taken away from them, the change was so profound in how to exist, how to be. It's like if you and I were were dumped in, you know, a totally, you know, in a whirlpool and without any instructions, you know, a, a sinking ship, uh, another planet, so many different ways of, you know, expressing it that will never come close to the experience they had of their spirit being taken away. And why I'm spending time on this is because we're going the other way. You and I now have access to all our needs being met, all our soulical needs being met. And the difference between living the way we're living now and the way God intends and desires and is drawing us to, the difference is profound. We have not walked this way before. No one has walked this way before, even Jesus Christ himself, because he's never not been one with God. He's always been one with his Father. What was the the big crisis he had on the cross, though, is, you know, Father, why have you forsaken me? Did he, you know, this is a something we'll need to, you know, think about. Did, Jesus, did God take his spirit from the Son? I don't think so. I think he just went silent. I don't think there was any time that Jesus was not in his in the Father's presence, one with the Father. But I think God, his Father, just went silent so that Jesus would bear the burden of restoration, of carrying, of paying our debt, paying for the restoration, which he did. That was his job. That was, that was his project. That was his duty. There will only ever want be one Savior. Now, the rest of us, we're all in this long process. And obviously, none of us are going to have a project nearly as significant as what Jesus did. 
And yet we are drawn to hopefully to find out, to ask questions, to be curious. Why, you know, why did you do this? I mean, if I think about, you know, the book of Habakkuk. It's all about asking God questions. You know, why do the rich, you know, why do some prosper and why are they rich and poor? I mean, there's a timely question for you. Why do good th- bad things happen to good people and vice versa? And God's eventual answer was, you don't get to ask those questions. I'm the God. I don't have to answer to you. Now, Habakkuk, and all, you know, again, uh, up until the resurrection, and some some have said even to when the Spirit fell at Pentecost, there all, there was no there were no Christians there were no nobody was able to commune with God spirit to spirit. There was no restoration of soul possible so in the grand scheme of things, if you think about you know let's use the timeline of Jesus you know two thousand years ago <coughs> in whether you use that civilizations have been around for 8,000 years or 80 billion years, doesn't really matter because this period of time that Jesus has completed the work and made the eternal life available to us is actually a very relative, relatively short period of time where we are unlearning how to live life without God and hopefully learning how to live as a spirit being. And it's a profound change. I think we think, at least I know I did, I thought there would be like, you know, a a gradual change, a graduated change. You know, we get better at this. We get, you know, um, have more understanding. But I think the profound change that God has for us, I'm not sure whether it will happen this century or could happen tomorrow. God has his own timeline, his own intent, his own purpose. It could, you know, be uh, 20 millennia from now. And he could just snap his fingers, blink his eye, and we would be we could be restored. He would he could heal your soul perfectly just with a thought. And meet all your all the needs of your soul, all the needs of your body, just like that. Why doesn't he? There's a purpose behind it, and it's the process. We've talked before about gratitude, and we don't value what costs us nothing. These kinds of, you know, think about Adam and Eve. They did not value God because 
they 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 took him for granted because he was always there. They took having all the power and authority for granted because they always had it. You and I will value what we gain, the healing, the understanding, the relationship with God, the relationship with others. We will value it because we didn't have it, and now we'll gain it. So we will value it more, we'll appreciate it more. Now, God doesn't, didn't hold it against Adam and Eve that they didn't value that relationship. That's the way God set it to start. And yet he did it with an end in mind. And we're in the process of getting to that end. And Jesus made that end possible, but we're not there yet. We see through a glass darkly. And we all, you know, how many times throughout history has it been the end of the world? And yet, not not so, not yet. You know, it's going to, it's going to, and who knows what, you know, what his intent, his, his plans are for the next thousand years for this planet. I don't. But I know each day has its own value. Every experience has its own value because it's contributing to my soul being restored. Not so I can please him more or get bigger rewards or accomplish his will or purpose, but because it develops in me something I could not achieve any other way, and that's gratitude. I'm sure there's more to it. I'm sure there's, you know, so many different ways of expressing happiness and longing and satisfaction, but we have to experience it first. And as we do, that's the profound change we experience. That we go from not knowing God to being one in him. It's not something we, you and I, have control over. And it's amazing how God has always, throughout time and history, revealed and drawn individuals and groups. It's rarely, I mean, sometimes he does worldwide, you know, global movements. Even those, those only touch the surface. Usually those are short-lived and full of error. You know, we think about the, you know, the Renaissance. We think about, you know, the, you know, Protestantism and Methodism and all these different isms of Western religion and the impact they've had on civilization. And yet, 
they don't they didn't fulfill the needs of people and because they didn't fulfill the needs of the people people came up with doctrine to do that to explain why that profound change didn't happen so you and i as we go through this process we can we can enjoy because we can know and remind ourselves that God loves us unconditionally, that we're, due, that we're on the right track, we're exactly where he wants us to be, we don't need to fret, we're going to make mistakes, and most of the time we learn more and are changed more and are healed more by our mistakes than we are by doing things the right way the first time. So again, we find that you know, balance, we don't uh, take him for granted, you know, just like the devil, you know, tempted Jesus, just jump off the mountain, jump off, jump off the, the, you know, the tower, and God will protect you. It's like, no, we don't do that. We value the time that God has given us. And the more time we spend with him, the more authority we have over it. So as we learn about the power and authority that we have, we will also learn more about how our soul functions, the very, our very soul's nature. You are not your soul, you are a spirit, but you have a soul that has its own nature, just as your body has its own nature. And by that I mean it has its own senses, its own responses to its environment, its own laws govern it so I think we've made a little headway but um, some things we want to talk about I hope you're uh, continue to listen and hopefully we you know continue to send me your questions they're they're very helpful uh, we want to talk more about um, some of the uh, ways we can uh, differentiate our soul, our soul's action from the supernatural and from spiritual, and have an increased awareness of God's guidance. And when we're working on our soul versus God restoring our soul. So we'll be getting to those things. So thanks for tuning in. Feel free to drop me a line at diane at therainersclub.org. We'll be getting back together again same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night. <laughs>